Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode number 47 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Just want to start off by asking, what are you waiting for? This season, I found myself longing for the completely booked coaching practice that I had planned for at the beginning of this year. And although patience is not my strongest virtue, I keep reminding myself that good things take time. And there's some things that you can't control. And I'm enjoying helping the musician and actor clients that I do have. I help them to build confidence, increase profile, and achieve goals so that they can build a thriving career in the arts without feeling overwhelmed or doubting themselves. The same goes for you. We couldn't plan for this global pandemic that instantly took away your performing and side gigging income. This season won't last forever, and when it comes, it'll be better than you could have imagined. What action can you take today that will lay the groundwork for success? when the quarantine is over and you can get back to work. I also get that you've put so much time and effort into your music and acting career. Your mind starts to wander. You catch yourself comparing yourself to others. You wonder why your career isn't as big as theirs. Why don't I get those opportunities? Stop. No matter your niche, your talent, and personality are unique to its own. Don't get distracted. It's okay to take your career at whatever pace fits your life. Be patient. Stay persistent. I'm telling you, you will be amazing. I will even help you by offering a free coaching session So if you want to stop letting fear and a lack of knowledge hold you back, I can empower you with strategies to propel you to the next level. To sign up, visit dianefoy.com, go to Thrive Coaching, and you can apply for an appointment to see if I can help you, to get you on track to achieve your goals. Let's set you up to rock 2021. Now, on today's show... My favorite story to come out of this pandemic is The Pandemic Pie Project by Bradley Harder. Bradley is a multi-passionate and talented creative entrepreneur who has had careers in animation, fine art, film production, music, restaurants and bars, construction, the list goes on. I can completely relate to managing multiple careers at once or changing careers often because, you know, I've done that. I do that. During this pandemic, he started to bake pies for his friends and neighbors. And before he knew it, he was baking pies and giving them away to anyone who wanted one in Toronto. How amazing is that? I've tried the blueberry. It's fantastic. 
Along the way, he's been featured on CBC News, Breakfast Television, and various other media outlets. And many people and brands have donated money and supplies so he can keep this generosity going. And maybe when this pandemic is over, Bradley will open up his own bakery. So I hope you enjoy hearing his story. And for a transcript and links, visit Sing Dance Act Thrive dot com slash zero four seven. Tell me about the pandemic pie project, how it got started, and who are some of the people and brands that have been helping you out to keep this going? Um, it started out with um, my friends getting groceries for me when the pandemic first started. And uh, being vulnerable, I didn't want to leave the house, so I, I, I couldn't go out. So my friends, um, Craig and, and uh, Erica and Mark and Darlene, would get me groceries, and uh, they wouldn't take my money, so I decided to make them pies. And then my neighbors caught wind of it, and so they wanted pies, and so I started making them for the neighbors. And then I thought, why don't I just make everybody pies? It could be my part for the whole for the pandemic. And so I started making pies. I put it out there on the Pandemic Pie Project. Pandemic Pie Project. Hashtag Pandemic Pie Project. And uh, people just started ordering pies. And it, it, it blossomed from there and turned into the monster that it is now. Yeah. When did it start? Uh, April 15th, I started making pies. Wow. And do you work? Every day, I kind of thought you were just during the week, but I sometimes see you. I'm baking on a Sunday. Well, yeah, no, I do. I, I do when people really need them. You know, sometimes they want them on a Sunday or Saturday, so I have to bake a few because I'm out of them. I've run out of them. I usually get rid of them every day that I make. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon either. So that's good. Who want, who doesn't want a free pie? Well, I know, right? <laughs> it makes people happy. A lot of people kick in for it too, so that's nice. It helps. Yeah. Pretty hard to sustain it all on my own. I mean, well, yeah, that's not possible. <laughs> nine hundred pies. Nine hundred pies later, yeah. Yeah. So I heard some some brands have donated, like Metro. Man, Metro's been great. They've been awesome. They, they donated um, f- frozen fruit, so they, I get my my strawberries and my blueberries from Metro. There's a farm as well. This farm gave me a hundred pounds of uh, rhubarb. Amazing. Yeah, people bring by stuff, you know, butter and stuff. But I, I buy most of my butter still. I've bought pie plates and pie boxes and lots of flour. Flour is cheap though. There's like eighteen dollars for a twenty kilo bag. Right. So, of all these nine hundred people that have received a pie, you must have heard some amazing stories of just how much receiving the pie means to them. Can you share some of those stories? My friend Michael Elmanoff got a couple of pies. Him and his wife, Sonia Cote, live in Montreal. Right now, during the pandemic, they've been living there. And um, she wanted a pie, so he was going to get her a pie. Get her an apple pie, and himself, he got a strawberry rhubarb. And he ate most of his strawberry rhubarb the night here at their house in Toronto before he left and he had the apple pie and he stopped at a customer's place on the way, I think in, around outside of Ottawa and the customer just lost his wife and he was so depressed. 
And uh, so he gave him the pie and it brightened his day up. Wow. It was very sweet. So what happens when you hit a thousand? I don't know. Maybe I bake more. I don't know. We'll see where we are with this pandemic thing. And so through this, are you thinking maybe you'll open up a bakery of your own? Well, you know, that's, I think, become the idea now because I didn't know I was a pie baker. I mean, I do a lot of things. I mean, you know, I'm a carpenter, I'm an electrician, I'm a plumber. I ran a contracting business for a while. And uh, I've been a musician for 30 years. And I was a gaffer cinematographer in the film business for 17 years. I, I, I'm a painter. I paint portraits of people. I've done all kinds of things. And I guess it's all artistic. I think everything I've done in my life, the end result was to get laid. But <laughs> any guy that tells you different <laughs> will be a liar. Even the pies? <laughs> <laughs> that I, had I known, I would have started baking pies a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what about your music career? Tell me about that. And your film career. I was a, I was a gaffer DOP in the film business for 17 years. Well, yeah, Jean moves all over the world. Then I was away for six months. And uh, my wife was having an affair with one of my friends. And so I ended up divorcing her and that threw my life into a tailspin. So I didn't go back to the film business because you can't have a relationship in that industry. You're away from your family too long. It's just not a good scene. So then I, I started doing music and running booze cans and bars. And What did you do as a child? Like what was their first artistic? Because you're very multi-passionate with the arts. What was your first interest? My first interest was becoming a marine biologist. Not an artist thing at all. <laughs> or maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> but I was, in, I was born in Saskatchewan, so that's not a good place to be a marine biologist. Then I moved to Calgatory, and that was also, also not a good place to be a marine biologist. I used to collect snakes and stuff like that and wild animals and bring them home and gophers and stuff and train them to do tricks and show, have shows for my family. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I was I was an artist. I, I studied animation, life drawing. I worked in the animation business for for several years. Most of my family stayed out west. I came out when I was sixteen to Toronto. I guess the first artistic thing was probably working in animation. I worked for all the studios at the time: Bleaching Rankin, Sonera, Avcor, Arcom. Nalvena. I did in betweening and uh, Inker Painter, and I was an in betweener, which means that the animator does the key cells every third cell, and the in betweener draws the in between two cells. This was like acetate cell animation. You drew, you drew the stuff on paper, and then they would, the inkers would ink your lines from the paper on acetate cell overlays. They would go, go to painting. They get cleaned, and then they paint the backs with the coat of the painting that you had to paint. And then they'd go to camera. It was a long, drawn-out process. Right. And then from there, you went to work on film sets? Yeah, live, I did live film after that. And I was in that business for right. 17 years. I worked in restaurants, though, at the same time as I was animating. Then I worked in restaurants right up until I was in film. Right. And then 
film took my whole life and it was like I was working like 12, 14 hour days for, for like six month stints, right? And you'd always yeah. be hustling your next gig before you got off the one before. So it was always like constantly hustling to get work, and constantly working and being, and never being home too long. You yeah. couldn't carry a relationship. It was just crazy. And then, uh, so then you transitioned into music. Were were you into music when you were young as well? I was I was into music. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who were some of your influences? Oh, shit. Tom Waits, uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, John Prine, Jules Armstrong, Steve Goodman. Right. And do you play an instrument? I play guitar and harmonica, and I sing. I was more a singer in my band, Bradley and the Bouncers. It was a jazz blues band, so we did a lot of Roots Americana stuff. Swing jazz, you know, all the stuff that got people dancing. Right. Did you uh, record? Yeah, I did. I had a record called Bonestown. And the title track was um, a song that my brother and I wrote with our friend Mark. Well, I worked as a doorman at the Reservoir Lounge for, for 20 years. And in that time, I was also playing at the Reservoir Lounge one night a week with my band Bradley and the Bouncers. Then I got sick and they, they kicked me to the curb after, after 20 years. And uh, so I've just been uh, wow. on disability since, since I started having these fainting spells. I started fainting about 15 to 20 times a day. Whoa. And uh, yeah, so I had to stop working. Do we know what it is? No, they never figured it out. It's kind of stopped now, though. I haven't fainted in a couple of weeks. That's good. Yeah, I was, I was under the scrutiny of a lot of specialists and a lot of doctors for three years. They couldn't figure it out. Wow. Well, maybe this new purpose in life has somehow fixed it. Maybe. I don't know. It seems like since I've been working so hard, I haven't uh, fainted. And I, I do get tired early, though. I mean, I'm usually in bed by 9 o'clock now. Because I get up at 4.30 in the morning and bake in the hot all day. And uh, you know, I still sit around writing music every now and then. I want to do everything. <laughs> I call it multi-passionate. Oh, I, you know, I, I mean, my, my brain's yeah. constantly going. I can't shut it off, so... I mean, while I'm baking these these pies and these sticky buns all day long, I'm also running up on the roof every chance I get to build this huge deck that I'm building. And it's, it's, it's amazing, but my brain never stops working, so I just keep doing that shit all the time. Yeah, no, I couldn't see myself doing like being a one career dude. Not a chance. I've had a lot of I've had a lot of careers. What have been your favorite of your careers? Or what has there been any crazy highlights? Well, there's been some great highlights. Like when I was playing at the Res, I, mean, I had some amazing people sit in with me. I hung out with like Tom Jones and Rod Stewart was there. Cool. Prince used to come to my shows. Prince. <laughs> my cat is named Prince. <laughs> I love Prince. He was amazing. Wow. He, he would come with his wife and he'd sit in the corner drink Chardonnay with a straw and order a, order an order of French fries, which weren't on the menu. So the shit, the cook would make French fries in a frying pan on the stove. <laughs> and then he would have to have it wrapped in now magazine and brought to his table. So it was the reservoir lounge. Like people would come and stop by on your night kind of thing or. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was pretty cool. There's a lot of good, a lot of uh, amazing people have come through there. And uh, I played the Montreux Jazz Festival in Switzerland. That's pretty cool. The 42nd annual one. Wow. I, I had dinner with Claude Knobs. Uh, we we uh, played three shows there. We did one show in Brienz. Uh, this place called the Chateau Bear in Brienz. It was this beautiful mountain-fed lake. It was crystal clear and cold and beautiful. And it was like 35 degrees there, so it was really hot. Me and my buddy Mark jumped into the lake, and it was beautiful. And people were all freaked out saying, it's too cold. And we jumped in, so it was fine. It felt like beautiful. <laughs> we're from Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You must have us confused with Americans yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, we don't like warm bath water. We like it to wake you up a little yeah. bit. Anyway, so that we, we, uh, we, we in Brienza one time. And the next day, we played the outdoor stage at the... Um, their main stage at Montreux. And then the following day, we played the last show of the festival on a riverboat going from uh, Lausanne to, to uh, Montreux. So we boarded the boat in Lausanne and all the customers got on the boat in Lausanne and it sailed across Lake Geneva to um, Montreux. And, we, and there was six bands on, on that boat two bands playing on each deck where they would alternate half hour sets and we were on the top deck alternating half hour sets they were like jazz bands from Hungary and Turkey and and uh, the Blue Dolls were there from Italy these three girls that sang with the Italian Andrew sisters they were great and by the end of the tour we had everybody on the top deck for our show it was great. that's fantastic well cool yeah. so what what are your hopes and dreams for the future? I don't know. I don't know. Just to, to live happily right. ever after somewhere. What are, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> <laughs> what are anybody's <laughs> hopes and dreams? You never know right. what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to live for the moment, I guess. Cool. So where will people find you online? Uh, they can find me at Bradley Harder on Facebook. My phone number is there. They can, call me, they can call me if they want a pie or some sticky buns. Well, thank you for taking the time and talking to me. Thank you, Diane. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 